the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. Most churches today work toward integration. Diversity is something to be achieved, to be strived for. But at Shiloh Church of Oakland, with its roots in Oakland at the height of the Vietnam War, political protest, and just as the Civil Rights Act was being passed, well, Shiloh was actually born in diversity. Started by a Canadian by the name of Dr. Violet Kitely in the home of an African-American family in Oakland, here 57 years later, the church continues to be a beacon of hope, love, and diversity in the greater Oakland area and all of the San Francisco Bay Area with global outreach around the world. Joining me today is ministry pastor at Shiloh Church of Oakland, Pastor Melinda Ramos. And Pastor, great to have you with us today. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be on the program today. What an amazing legacy. 57 years of ministry here in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. And as I indicated in my opening remarks, born at a time when not only was the Bay Area going through turmoil, but the entire nation was struggling through turmoil on on the back end of, of political assassinations, strife related to the Vietnam War, just kind of this this cauldron of controversy, so to speak. And yet at that time, your great-grandmother chose to come to the San Francisco Bay Area and plant a church here. What an amazing legacy. Yes, my grandmother, Dr. Violet Kitely, came with my father, from Canada and they were already he was she was already pastoring up there but she came down just had planned to start a bible study but right away everyone said no we want you to start a church and it started as you said right in the home of an african american family right during the civil rights movement how incredible so while some people like you said were just talking about bringing people together it has happened at Shiloh we call it the Shiloh miracle, because over 50 nations still come together. 57 years later, we have 26 African nations alone represented in Shiloh and people of all ages, zero to 100, all ethnicities, all backgrounds come together and worship Jesus. It's amazing to see what Shiloh has been such a forerunner, such a trailblazer in so many areas in racial reconciliation in unity in praise and worship, in missions, in evangelism, and really a move of God. And so we are thankful for what God has done over the last 57 years. We just celebrated our anniversary, and we know that we have such an amazing legacy of serving God, but God's not done with us yet. My grandmother also you'd love to say that the latter rain is going to be even greater than the former, that God's going to pour out his spirit in an amazing way in this generation as well. You've had the privilege of being witness to a lot of these events and the phenomenal impact the church has had down through these decades. And I'm curious, as you look back at initially the work of your grandmother, uh, Dr. Violet Kitely, and of course your, your father, David, what do you think has been the the secret sauce? What's been the unique thing that has made Shiloh such a place for people to come together and to feel comfortable with one another and to set aside their differences? Because as I indicate, for a lot of churches in America today, this is this is a struggle, and and yet it it seemingly hasn't been for Shiloh. I wonder why you think that is. Well, my grandmother from an early age, age 15, felt a stream called a ministry. And when she got married, her husband and her were planning on going to Africa as missions. So right away, there was just a real call to the nation. She had a desire to be a missionary. And unfortunately, he passed away in a plane crash during World War II while she was pregnant with my father. But that didn't stop her. She was actually paralyzed for 
several life over a year, like a year and a half after she gave birth and she still didn't give up. She still kept believing. And then she participated in a revival movement in Canada. And after that, it just ignited a fire in her to really go to the nations and she passed it on to my dad. And so when they came down here, it wasn't, it was a no brainer. It was like, we have a love for all people. God has called us to reach out. And so they, it just flowed and people were drawn to her. She had such a compassion. I think going what she did through being a widow, such a young person, she had a love and a compassion that was, you know, just so in everything she did, she loved people. She reached out and she always had time for people. And that was the amazing thing. Um, nobody, you know, there was nobody that she didn't reach out to that she saw in need. So that, that sense of, of global missions and of, of sensitivity towards reaching all nations for Christ is, is really, in a sense, in the DNA of Shiloh. And, of course, that's borne out if folks in the Bay Area attend church on any given Sunday there um, at your uh, campus address at 3295 School Street in Oakland. You'll see that the makeup of the congregation looks like the world. And I think it's interesting because... When you speak about global outreach, what better place to do it than such a uniquely diverse place as the San Francisco Bay Area, where literally, if you want to reach the world for Christ, you just need to step out your front door. That's the amazing thing. We can have missions right in in our local area but also go to the nations. And so Shiloh has had a heart for both local missions and foreign missions. And within two years of the church starting, they had already sent their first missionary to Hong Kong. And that was Pastor Dennis Balcom. And from his ministry, 15 million Chinese people were reached in the underground church movement. And so Shiloh has been a part of that for many years. Within three, four years of Shiloh starting, they had sent missionaries to Japan and it continued on sending mission, missionaries out. And that's a heritage that Shiloh continues on today. So that sense of uh, global outreach then in terms of what Shiloh is currently doing, in addition to obviously the work here in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're continuing to support works literally across the globe then. That's right. In fact, our team just returned from Ethiopia. We founded a Bible college there 28 years ago, and it's doing so well. And it, it, it's sending missionaries out. They actually now have extended into South Africa and into the Middle East. And it's been operating for 28 years. They have 4,000 students. And we went as we went there, it was amazing because they had unified many denominations together to reach Ethiopia. And now they said there's all over the country, there's people that have gone out and planted churches. There's teachers. There's people running orphanages. There's people doing missions all over the nation and beyond as a result of the equipping and training that they've received in the Bible College. And so we have we have missionaries in many different countries, many different continents, and have a heart to see the nations impacted. We believe that's the inheritance, really. So that's what the Word of God says, that He's given us the nations as our inheritance. And so we have a mandate to go. Now, some people are called to go abroad, but we're all called to be missionaries wherever God has planted us. So if we've been planted in the Bay Area, then we need to see the need around us. Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the people. And we need to be moved with compassion in the same way to go out and be missionaries in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our schools, and constantly find tangible ways to show the love of Christ. Now, it can't just be only getting up and preaching. It also has to be in ways that people can experience. So in Ethiopia, we also work with water wells, and we make sure that people are trained on how to have fresh water and build wells. We also work with supporting an orphanage. So finding ways to reach people, but not just abroad, but right here in our community as well. So there's really that sense of Judea, Samaria, Judea, of course, being in Oakland, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And, and I'm fascinated by you mentioning some of the other related sort of companion ministries of Shiloh, like fresh water, which some people might look at and say, well, 
gee, is that really, you know, diluting the gospel? Shouldn't you strictly be concentrating on preaching? But, you know, I find it interesting to note as we look at the, the ministry of Christ on earth, that almost without exception, every time it's recorded in the gospels of Christ traveling to a city and gathering and, and sharing the good news and, and, and the message that he had come to share of salvation that he would ultimately provide us through his death, burial, and resurrection, that he was also very careful to address the felt needs, whether it was feeding 5,000, giving sight to the blind, healing the lame. There was always that sense of of the, the companion compassion with the gospel. Do you think that's important today to be effective as we proclaim the love of Christ? Absolutely. We are to be the hands and feet of Jesus. When you think about it, it says, when when he were hungry, you fed me. You know, when I was naked, you clothed me. And so we have to reach people on all levels, reach them in a practical way. And when you reach them in a practical way, it opens the door to the spiritual. I know in the water um, ministry that we've partnered with, after they bring the natural water, there's an opportunity to bring the spiritual water as well. Because people, when you've reached their natural needs, it opens a door. And we've seen that in the community at Shiloh. Since its beginnings, we've been a church without four walls. We've gone out into the community. We've done block parties. We've done after-school programs. We've done sidewalk Sunday school. And one of the chief ways that we continue to reach our community is through our Mercy House. And that's located right across the street from Shiloh, and it's been operating for over 35 years. And it's a way that we can provide food to our community. But during the pandemic, the Lord really expanded that ministry beyond what we could even imagine. We have this little corner store and Alameda County Food Bank came along and partnered with us to fully renovate the building and make it into a free grocery store where people can come in and shop with dignity. Dignity. They can pick out their own groceries and feel like they can come in and be honored and recognized. And then on Wednesdays, we have a huge, um, you know, farmer's market where they walk through our parking lot and they get to pick out fresh produce and meats and milk and vegetables and all of these things that they can be blessed by in our community. And it's such a great way that we can reach out And then it gives us an opportunity to love on them, to pray for them. Give us kind of a look, if you would, in terms of of opportunities for for outreach and ministry for people here in the San Francisco Bay Area, kind of a, a thumbnail sketch of the breadth and depth of what life is like at Shiloh. Well, we feel we're called to reach the littlest one all the way up to our oldest senior saints. And so we have ministry for children. We have kids ministry. We have nursery provided And then on Wednesday nights, our family night. So if you come on a Wednesday night, there's going to be classes and groups for youth and young adults and in Spanish for marriage, men and women. And then we also have a ministry called Oil of Joy for those 55 and up. And they are an active group. They are even going on a cruise this coming year together, but they do all kinds of fun activities and get together and really stay connected and they pour into each other as well. They're constantly checking in on them and making sure that they're ministered. We also have something called Shiloh Pathways College. And so that's a Bible college where people can be equipped and established in the word of God. We have small groups where people can meet in homes or different locations, cafes, to connect and fellowship throughout the week because we believe we are better together. And as you mentioned, we also have a Spanish ministry. And so Oakland and the Bay Area has a lot of Spanish-speaking people. My husband himself is bilingual and um, speaks Spanish fluently. And so we have a ministry on Sundays. As you mentioned, 1.30 p.m. is our Spanish service. And we also have classes throughout the week, Bible classes, life groups in the Spanish language so that they can be connected as well. Very broad and deep offering available for just about anybody of any age group, of any interest. Information available about Shiloh's ministry at shilohonline.com. That's Shiloh online.com. They meet as they have for many, many years at 3295 School Street in Oakland. And if you'd like to call to get more information, you can reach the church at area code 510-261-2052. Pastor Melinda Ramos, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. 
Well, we want to welcome you to Shiloh, whether you're watching online or you're here in person. We love seeing your faces. And if it's your first time, there, as, as Pastor Blake mentioned, there's Next Step cards right there in front of you. Make sure to fill one out. Take it to one of our tables. Or if you're watching online, email us at nextsteps at shilohonline.com. We have a really cool green box to give you because we love that you're here. We want to see you connected and taking the next steps in Jesus. Well, today we're going to continue our series, Spirit-Led Living. And the Holy Spirit's already been moving in our service in such a powerful way. In the Gospels, Jesus made it clear that God was going to send us a comforter. He was going to send us a helper, a convictor, one that was going to lead us and guide us to help us grow in his ways. And a spirit-led life is one that's surrendered fully to God, allowing him to work in our lives, that we can be taught We can be transformed. We can be molded and made into the people that he wants us to be. And so that we can bear good fruit. And actually, that's the name of my sermon today. Fruit that remains. We are grateful for the fruit that remains at Shiloh. And we're blessed today that one of our founding pastors is here visiting us. Pastor Marilyn Kitely. My mother. Yeah, let's give her a hand. 50 years serving this house, laying the foundation for what's here today. She with my grandmother, Dr. Violet Kitely, and my father, Dr. David Kitely, they are the founding pastors. They came down from Canada and started this place called Shiloh. And we're thankful for those 50 years of investment. And I know grandma and dad are part of the cloud of witnesses now. They're cheering us on. And my dad always, I remember watching that video. He was saying over and over again, go on in greater faith. And that's what we're called to do. And on September 4th, we're going to be celebrating the 57th anniversary of Shiloh Church. Amen. We praise God for all that he's done. Thousands of people all around the world have been saved and delivered. People have gone to the nations. People have been equipped to walk in their purpose. They've been trained up in the ways of the Lord, and God has been so faithful. We serve a good, good father. Amen. You, Shiloh, are the fruit that remains. Tell that to your neighbor. You are the fruit that remains. Amen. As believers, we're called to go out and bear fruit that lasts, fruit that goes past this life, And even on into eternity. And we encourage everyone to use what you have. God's uniquely gifted each and every one of you. I remember God said to Moses, what's in your hand? Well, what do you have in your hand that you can submit to the Lord to be used? We encourage you to serve Jesus with the time and talents that you have. And we encourage you to to join Team Shiloh. As I mentioned, there's a green card there. That's another way to get connected. Team Shiloh is a group of amazing people who use their gifts to serve the Lord. They volunteer in the parking lot. They greet people at the doors. They serve in the nursery. They serve at the food giveaway and in so many ways. And if you would like to sign up today, just fill out that green card or visit our Team Shiloh table. Better yet, come this Wednesday night. 6 p.m. we have dinner, 7 p.m. we have our training, and it's a great way to come, get in the game, and use that to serve the Lord. Also, we're positioning for growth. If you look around, we're getting full. After a time of pandemic, God's been faithful, bringing in the harvest. And so we're excited. In September 11th, we're adding an additional service. We're positioning for the harvest. We're getting ready for the people to come in. And so we invite you to note that September 11th, 930, 1130, and 130 in Spanish. I'm going to open this time in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you've already moved in our service. Your Holy Spirit has been here in such a life-changing way. We pray that as the word goes forth, it's going to accomplish just what you intended, that it's going to fall on fertile soil, and it's going to take root and produce a harvest of good works in the name of Jesus. Many people saved, delivered, and set free and healed in Jesus' name. Amen. God has called us to bear good fruit. I have some good fruit here, some really ripe fruit. Through the gospel, we see that Jesus, our master teacher, used parables, little stories to help teach his disciples and his followers. He used common things 
like the grape, <laughs> like the vine, which was familiar to everyone in Jerusalem. This concept of bearing fruit helps us to understand a very important spiritual principle. In Matthew 7, Jesus discussed how good trees and bad trees reproduced after their own kind. Let's bring up that verse. Matthew 7, 17 and 18. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree bear good fruit. Everybody's bearing some kind of fruit. It all has a a spiritual impact on our world, whether it's good or bad. So we need to ask ourselves today, what kind of fruit am I bearing? What kind of nutrients am I providing to those that I come across? My family, my coworkers, my neighbors, those who I meet along the way. Is it good or bad fruit? We need to be conscious of the fruit because it represents our relationship with God as kingdom people. Pastor Don has a ministry called For the Kingdom. Everything that we need to do needs to be for the kingdom to see it advanced in this earth. So we want to bear good fruit so that the kingdom of God can grow and many people can become saved and followers of Jesus. When we're truly allowing the Lord to transform our lives, to work in us, bearing fruit becomes our new norm. We've been hearing a lot of that word, new norm, part of our very nature. But it's going to require the right conditions. Just as a natural tree requires healthy soil, it requires nutrients in the soil, it requires pruning, rain, sunshine, the same is true of our lives. We require good nourishment from prayer, from Bible reading, from fellowship with other believers. It says, don't forsake of the assembling of yourselves together. We need each other. We're better together. But most of all, we need to stay connected to Jesus. In the Gospel of John, Jesus taught about the importance of abiding in him. It was the night before his betrayal. And he was using each and every moment to teach and pour into disciples. And as they celebrated the Passover in that upper room, Jesus washed their feet. He was showing what a servant he was. He spoke with them about the events that were about to take place, even though they didn't completely understand them all. And following the meal, Jesus continued to instruct the group who had followed him for three years. In John 14, he said, I am the way the truth, and the life. He also talked about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about spirit-led living. The Holy Spirit would come and help us. Let's look at John 14, 16, and 17. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's the Holy Spirit, our helper. Jesus kept building on that message. He went on to teach ways to live for him when he said, I am the true vine. He was showing his disciples and us that he is the source of abundant life, available by allowing the Holy Spirit to come and dwell within us. Let's let's look at that passage found in John 15 verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. That's our father God. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may even bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out like a branch and is withered. And they gather them, throw them into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. So Jesus is the true vine. 
And God the Father is that the owner of the vineyard. He's that cultivator of the gar- crop. He is the gardener. Well, vines require constant attentive care, as the vineyard can be one of the harder labor for any other, one of the hardest things to, to, to cultivate. We can trust the gardener to nurture and watch over us. His eye is on every branch. His eye is on the sparrow, so you know he's watching you. He even knows how many hairs are on your head. He loves you with an everlasting love. He waters us. He protects us. He cultivates a harvest to produce a maximum yield in our lives. 1 Corinthians 3.6 says that God brings the increase. But in order for us to grow and increase, we got to give the gardener access. we got to let the Holy Spirit work in our life. We can close ourselves off or we can say, come Holy Spirit, mold me and make me into more like Jesus. Jesus says that if we abide with him, if we dwell with him, if we walk with him and make him the center of our lives, good fruit is going to be the byproduct of that relationship. Look at all the abide in me's. I took a few moments to look at them because there's so many of them in that small passage. Verses 1 through 8, there's like 8 or 9 of them right there. And it goes on. I encourage you to read the whole chapter. There's even more there. Abide means to endure without yielding. Bear patiently. Remain stable or fixed in a state. To continue in a place. Dwell. Be present. And to tarry. It involves that intimacy. That regular communion with Christ. So if we want to be more fruitful, here's the key. Draw closer to Jesus. It promises us in James 4, 8, that if we draw closer to him, he in turn is going to draw closer to us. We want to be in constant fellowship with him. Make him a daily part of our life, not Sunday only. Now in our family, we're big Chick-fil-A fans. Who here likes Chick-fil-A? All right, well, Kanye West wrote a song called Closed on Sundays, and it's about Chick-fil-A. They are closed on Sundays, but you can access Chick-fil-A every other day of the week. Well, we can sometimes be the opposite. We're open on Sundays to the things of God, but we're closed every other day of the week. We need to give him access 24-7 every moment of the day. We need to pray without ceasing and remain connected to the vine. I don't know what it is about Chick-fil-A we always forget. I think four or five times we've driven up. You're, you're already starting to, your mouth's already starting to water. You already know what you, what, that you, what you want to order. We all have our favorites. We want some of the buffalo sauce. He likes the Chick-fil-A sauce. We're ready to go. And then you get there and you see an empty parking lot. And they don't have empty parking lots. So they're closed on Sunday, but they're open. Let's be open to the things of God. Let's let him move in our life. Now, a spiritual disconnect from the Lord is going to stunt our growth. In verse 5, it says, without me, you can do what? Something? Nothing. We can accomplish nothing of permanent value apart from Christ. In nature, a branch that's not connected to the tree or vine won't grow leaves. It's not going to grow fruit. In fact, it's going to dry up and become firewood. I brought a dried up branch from my yard. (laughs) The problem is, is that this is no longer connected to the vine and it has become, it's really now ready to be kindling. In fact, I told Jason, be very careful because I think the whole thing could crumble and fall apart. (laughs) As branches, we got to stay connected to the true vine. Now there's false vines out there, false vines that are going to try to bring deception Try to bring loss of direction, loss of identity. We need that discernment of the Holy Spirit to discern truth. And that becomes from being grounded in the word of God. The vitality of our spiritual life is dependent upon that connection. The command to abide is not a one-time event. No, it involves a lifetime of following after Jesus. It's an ongoing process, not of obeying rules and regulations, but of being in relationship being in fellowship with our King, loving him with all of our hearts, souls, minds, and strengths. That's how we're going to discover our purpose is being connected to the vine. And sometimes we try to find fulfillment by abiding in temporal things, abiding in money, our jobs, our success, 
our popularity, how many likes we're getting on Instagram. But those things are going to pass away. They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. But Jesus is the true vine and he makes life worth living. He's the source of, of our strength. He's the source of our success. He's the source of everything. He helps us to be victorious in every area of life. He's our champion. Joined to Jesus and it's submitted to the Holy Spirit, you can overcome the world. You can overcome the flesh. You can overcome the enemy. You can bind the works of the enemy and take authority over him in the mighty name of Jesus. In verse seven, we see that our connection to Christ is maintaining by reading the word of God. It says, if my words abide in you, we need to be deeply grounded in the word of God. The word is our roots. And no roots means no fruits. Tell that to your neighbor. No roots means no fruits. Our Pathways classes are about to start this September. And I encourage you to get registered, get equipped and empowered and trained up in the word of God so that your roots can go deep. Right after the service, right? Come right out to the fellowship hall because classes are starting. Another way we stay connected to the true vine is through prayer. Well, tomorrow starts our 10 days of prayer. It goes from August 22nd through the 31st. We encourage you to join in in prayer. Get on Facebook, get on Instagram. There's gonna be posts daily to encourage you. Get on the prayer perimeter. It goes several hours a day, but it particularly during the week at 9 p.m. is gonna be our corporate time of prayer together. As we spend time with God in prayer, he speaks to us through his word. He gives us his direction then we can understand his perfect plan for our lives. We need to stay connected to the source. Many years ago at the Tournament of Roses Parade, the Standard Oil Company, which is now known as Chevron, you have to be a little older to remember the old name, they had a beautiful float, and in the middle of the parade, the oil company's float came to a grinding halt and the rest of the parade with it. Nobody could move on because they were stuck there in the road. The problem, well, the float ran out of gas. (laughs) That's the crazy thing. The directors of the Chevron float had done everything well. The float looked beautiful, but they neglected to use their company's vast resources of oil. The parade waited while someone had to run to the gas station, get some gas to fill the thing up. Here they had what they needed, but they didn't access it. We have, to, we have access to the King of Kings. We have access to the Lord of Lords. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Let's stay plugged in to the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's abide in the true vine and bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. Another thing we need to bear fruit is we have to allow the master vine dresser, our father in heaven, the gardener to prune us. Now this isn't the fun part. (laughs) Pruning is the removal of any part of the plant, either the root, the stem, the branch, so that it can become more productive. In orchards and fruit gardens, pruning is necessary so that they can grow fruit in abundance. Now, when you look at a a grapevine, untrimmed vines develop large branches that produce few grapes because the, the whole effort is going into making wood. We don't want wood, we want fruit. God is the one skilled in pruning the vine, cutting away some of the branches so that we can have much growth. Let's look at John 15 too. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it can bear even more fruit. The Lord prunes not only the bad stuff, but also the good so that it can be more productive. We all need pruning. We don't like to admit this. We all need a trim here and there. No matter how long we've been believers. Now, if you're a new believer, um, the same way that new plants, new plants are pruned for three to five years to train them before they're allowed to produce a crop. New believers require time to grow. We encourage you to get into the foundations class. That's a good way to grow. This training helps them get rooted into their new faith. Get into a life group. Those are ways that you can grow. Because new believers need the milk of the word so they can grow and produce fruit. When we first got married, 
my husband and I planted a lemon tree for us. And it was probably, it was just a little baby lemon tree about this tall. And we lived there for only a couple years. And during that time, we tended the lemon tree. We tried to water it, but it bore no fruit at all. (laughs) Seemed to grow very slowly. I wondered if the growth was stunted at first. But later on, we purchased the same property, right, and moved back there. And the lemon tree, let's see if we have some pictures of it, had grown very large. And you can see, I just took this picture yesterday. You can see the lemons right on it. It bears lemons all year round. And we're still enjoying that fruit. Anytime I send my kids out, I'm like, I need a lemon for a recipe. They're out there picking them. So if you're a new believer, don't despise small beginnings. If you're new in your faith, keep pressing in and see God bearing an abundance of fruit in your lives. Now, older trees, this, is, this isn't being chronological, but you've been saved for a while. We also sometimes need some pruning so we can bear good fruit. Pruning is necessary to remove any dead wood because dead wood can harbor disease and decay. Even ma- mature Christians need pruning so they can keep their faith fresh and get excited about the things of God. Now, when you look at branches, not all of them are as fruitful as others. Each of us as branches can restrict the quantity of fruit produced in our lives. Let's look again at what Jesus said. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that they can bear more fruit. What is it that restricts the production of fruit? In a word, itself. Point at yourself, me, myself, and I. Yes, we love Jesus. His spirit is within us, but from time to time, we can stop relying on Christ and his life within us and live our life in our own strength. But Jesus said no branch can bear fruit by itself. A number of years ago, the Associated Press released a study done by an agricultural school in Iowa. It reported that the production of 100 bushels of corn from one lake of land required, in addition to the many hours of the farmer's labor, 4 million pounds of water, 6,800 pounds of oxygen, 5,200 pounds of carbon, 160 pounds of nitrogen, 125 pounds of potassium, 75 pounds of yellow sulfur, and many other elements too numerous to name. These all come from the earth. In addition to these things, they, which no man can produce, rain and sunshine at the right time were critical. It was estimated that only 5% of the produce of the farm can be attributed to the efforts of a man. The same is true in producing spiritual fruit. When we forget that, we Forget that, we end up trying to do things in our own strength, in our own way, and he wants us to rely on his strength. We're not blessed because of our performance or anything that we do on our own. We're blessed because of our connection to Jesus Christ, the true vine. He is the one who opens doors. He provides favor that no man can provide. Our loving gardener helps us to stop depending on self, so we might rely more fully on Christ. Now, pruning can be painful, but pruning is also productive. The pain of cutting away accomplishes just what the father intends, fruitfulness. Well, on a plant or a tree, a sucker is a very small branch that usually grows on the main trunk of the tree. If left alone, it'll sap the resources from the fruit producing branches. So in order to have a better crop, we have to remove those suckers. There are suckers in the world that seek to draw the spiritual life from us. They seek to rob us of our daily quiet time from the Lord. They try to get us off track and distract us. And they must be removed and cut away in order for Jesus to bring the transformation. The pruning is not the punishment, but it's done so we can be more like him. He loves us, so he prunes us. He loves us, so he corrects us. Hebrews 12, 7, and also verse 11 says, Endure hardship as discipline. God's treating you as sons. Who here is a son or daughter of the Most High King? Right? A son is, is not disciplined. For what son is not disciplined by his father? No discipline seems pleasant at the time. I know I, I used to run when they would try to discipline me. It can be painful. Later on, however, produce a harvest. A harvest of righteousness, a harvest of peace for those who've been trained by it. Sin and distractions, 
must be pruned. Bitterness must be cut off. Unforgiveness and offense must be trimmed off the branch. Anger and jealousy must be pruned. We need to allow God to prune wilted friendships, wilted habits, thoughts, and possessions from our life. Through the pruning, we're going to go stronger. We're going to be more effective for the kingdom of God. And the fruit that we produce is going to be much more pleasing to God. Like David said, he asked God to, to search his heart. He said, search me, O Lord. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's giving the Lord access to work in us. When God prunes us, he cuts into our lives and removes some things. Sometimes it seems drastic. Sometimes it seems unnecessary. We ask, why are you doing this to me, God? And it's hard when things we want to hold on to are taken away. That's where we have to walk by faith and not by sight. We can all look back on a time when some, when some pruning happened. But we can thank God for the pruning because of the fruit that was produced. Something miraculous happened in the vineyard. It wasn't pleasant at the time, but it resulted in something good in our lives that we can now praise God for. You think of diamonds, the most costly of jewels. They're only formed under great pressure and heat. Likewise, God brings his refining fire into our life. If he sees a lack of fruit, he'll bring into our lives just what we need. So next time a fiery trial comes your way, thank God he's producing something beautiful in your life. The only difference between a diamond and an old piece of coal is the pressure. So what we see as tragedies may be only a blessing in disguise and opportunities where God can choose to exhibit his love and his grace in our lives. The richest, fullest, most fruitful lives are those who've been strengthened through the painful process of tribulation. It produces something good in us. And I can look at some of the most painful times in my life and know God was at work. Even when we lost our son, I know God's hand was working in my life. Through both times of trial and blessing, the Lord's refining us and making us more into his image. Perhaps You're going through a pruning season right now. In the midst of it, you can trust God that he is in control. The gardener knows what he's doing. His plans are better than our plans. His ways are better than our ways. And the outcome is going to be for your good and for his glory. Amen. Wait patiently on the Lord and see his goodness in the land of the living. We serve a good, good God. And if we're abiding in the true vine then the Holy Spirit's going to bear that good fruit in in our lives. The more we abide in him, he helps us to die to the flesh and walk by the Spirit. Let's look at Galatians 5, 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And it gives a whole list here. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. I'm reading them fast because I don't want to give a lot of focus on them. Let me tell you again, as I said before, that anyone living that sort of life won't inherit the kingdom of God. But here we go. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passion and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucify them there. And since we're living by the spirit, that's our theme this month. Let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives. The apostle Paul talks about spiritual fruit in this passage, but in opposition to the fruit of the spirit is a list of behaviors that are there. Paul implied that the Galatian church had some issues, the way they're treating others. They needed some weed whacking done and they need some hedge holy spirit hedging in their lives. 
a life lived by the spirit doesn't cooperate with the desires of a sinful nature, they cannot peacefully coexist. Some people have discovered the hard way that apple trees and cedar trees, red cedar trees, can't grow near one another because they're going to cause disease in each other. They can't coexist peacefully. It's the same with us in sin. When a person puts their faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in their life. We become habitation of the Holy Ghost. When he lives in us, he convicts us of sin, and we're not going to be satisfied with the old way of life anymore. We become a new creation. Today is Baptism Sunday. Some people are going to become new creations in Christ. If you didn't sign up, you still want to get baptized. That's okay. I know, as Pastor Avier says, I'm not going to give the whole list, but we have some supplies that you can get baptized as well. We want to bear good fruit. We don't want to have a spiritual brown thumb. When Pastor Javier and I first got married, we both had brown thumbs when it came to plants. And we love plants. We kept buying them, but we kept killing them too. <laughs> that was the problem. Well, one day someone from the church overheard us say that we really liked a certain kind of plant. The problem was is it was an expensive kind of plant. Well, without asking, they went ahead and bought it for us. And knowing our history with plants, we said, you really shouldn't have. And we actually meant it. (laughs) Sure enough, no matter how we tried, the plant was dead as a doornail within a couple of weeks. And Pastor Javier thinking, well, maybe it just needs more sunlight. He put it on the porch and said a a prayer that little planty would be resurrected from the dead. Well, a couple months passed. Little planty was not resurrected. He finally acknowledged the plant was beyond dead, really a crispy critter, just like this one, that needed to be thrown out or put in the fire. And not long after that, that person came to visit us. Uh To our mortification, they started kind of discreetly looking around the house. Then it got less discreet when they said, where's the plant? And... We finally had to admit to our shortcomings when it comes to green things. Fortunately, years later, we've learned better to take care of plants. And we have several around the house now, and they're alive. I'm really good with those ones that look kind of dead, though. And you give it a little water, and it goes, comes back to life. Those are my favorite if you ever buy me a plant. We need to have a spiritual green thumb. Jesus said you're going to know a tree by its fruit. Matthew 12, 33, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Matthew 7, 16, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In Matthew 21, Jesus saw a fig tree from the distance. It looked good. Look good on the outside. We can look real shiny when we come to church. We can look good. It had leaves on it. But when he went closer for a little more inspection, he found it had no figs, no fruit on it. And usually fig trees, when the leaves show up, the fruit shows up at the same time. All right, let's see. There it is, a leaves without bearing fruit. Well, Jesus cursed it because it was a big phony baloney. It had leaves on it, but it was absolutely fruitless. In the body of Christ, we must be careful that we don't have just, have just leaves, but no fruit. All the glamour, but none of the character. We're not going to win the world with only a bumper sticker on our car. We're not going to win the world with a Jesus pin on our lapel, a big Bible in our hand, and a bunch of Christian cliches. We need to bear some good fruit because that's how we're going to be known. Let's look at the picture of good fruit on this screen. We want to bear good fruit like in this basket. We don't want to bear fruit that is bitter or rotten. Let's see the rotten fruit. Ooh, that looks nasty. Especially those bananas. I can imagine they stink. (laughs) In other words, this kind of fruit is toxic to the spirit of others. Our character is much more important than any gifts we possessed. If we're operating the gifts of the Spirit without the fruit of the Spirit, we're going to be doing damage to the gospel. 1 Corinthians reminds us that without love, we're just like a sounding gong, a gong and a clanging cymbal. Instead, we need to be a blessing to the world around us. We're not producing fruit to please ourselves. It's produced to serve others. Let's look at the process of producing fruit. First, 
We bear good fruit in our attitudes, the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is in residence. He's working on the inside so it can show up on the outside. He's making us more like Jesus every day. Let's look back at Galatians 5, 2, um, 5 22 and 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Each of these nine get fruit or character traits can be seen in the life of Jesus. He is our pattern to follow. He's our example. He's also our source for living a fruitful life. We need that same mindset as Christ. We need that same attitude. We need that same character of Jesus evident in us. Second, our attitudes are going to lead to our actions. Paul wrote in Colossians 1.10, We pray that in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, Bearing fruit in every good work. In other words, when we bear fruit, we're going to be doing good works. We're going to be doing good things for the Lord. Now, these good works won't save us, nor should we think of them as actions, that we can do something to get out of God. We don't use good works to barter with him. These are the things we do out of abundance and overflow of love for Jesus and an evidence of a grateful heart. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 8, that God is love. And a branch, as that's what we are, should have that same DNA as its source. I recently did my 23andMe. It was no surprise that I had the DNA and the nationalities of my parents and grandparents. No surprise there. So if God's DNA is love, then our DNA should be love because we're children of the Most High King. The fruit of the Spirit really is love. Out of love first is going to manifest all other eight characteristics of the Spirit of God. They come as a whole package deal that could only be cultivated and matured by a relationship with the Lord. The commandment is to first love God. The second is to love people. That's our mission at Shiloh, loving God, loving people. Love up first, then love out second. Let's say that with me. Love up first, and then love out second. And in doing so, we fulfill Christ's call to take up your cross daily. It's found in Luke 9, 23. Christ loved us even while we were still sinners, even while we were enemies of him. So he requires us in the same way to love our enemies with the same love that was shown us. That's the pruning part of bearing the fruit of love. Galatians 5, 14 says the entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If I'm bearing good fruit in the spirit, then I'm not going to have hatred in my heart towards others. I'm not going to be jealous or envious of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I won't be part of anything that would cause division in the church. We've all met people who are walking around with church hurt because sometimes sheep bite, right? Sometimes Christians are mean, but we don't want to be a part of something that promotes discord. We want to be promoters of unity in the body of Christ. In Galatians 5, 22 to 23, it tells us that bearing the fruit means I'm going to seek to create an atmosphere of love around me. I'll work to create an environment of joy in the church. I'll be a peacemaker when people are mad at each other. I'll have patience with others that are hard to get along with. I'll be kind even when those around me don't deserve it. And the fruit of my lips will be praise, as it says in Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if our heart, we have complaints, we have negativity, that's what's going to come out. God wants to replace it with his character. Lastly, our attitudes and our actions, when connect to the vine, it will lead to us bearing good fruit for him. God is cultivating us so that we provide the sustenance of love and joy and peace to those around us. And the good fruit is much needed today. We need to shine brightly in a dark world. We need to be salt and light, a city on a hill. Proverbs 1130 says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. Ultimately, as we bear fruit, we want to win souls for the kingdom of God. That's our major goal. How do we win people to Christ? We win them by inviting them to the church. So let's invite our friends as we're getting into September. That's back to church month. So let's focus on that. We win 
them by talking to them about Jesus. And we win souls by our attitudes, by our actions, which is the fruit they see in our lives that makes them want to serve God too. Jesus proclaimed that he chose us to go bear fruit that should remain, fruit that would last. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you would go out and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, and that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. The branches that produce an abundance of fruit are connected to Jesus. We stay connected by feeding on his word. Then we bring glory to God by living out his word with our lives. That proves that we're friends of God, that we're followers of Jesus, that we're planted in the right spot. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says, But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots into the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. We live in California. We know about drought. We fortunately, our yard have drought-proof plants. We need to be drought-proof, right? And never fails to produce fruit. These are the branches that have been properly trained through the discipline of pruning. They've crucified self and have learned that apart from Christ, they can do nothing, right? (laughs) This fruit, because it grew from a seed that was cultivated and cared by the Lord, is good and ripe. Here's an example of fruit that remains. We recently, and Pastor Don and Adriano were with us, Pastor Emmanuel and Hayet, I think they're over there somewhere, were with us. We just went recently to Ethiopia to visit the Bible college that Shiloh planted 28 years ago. Thousands of students have graduated They've gone all over Ethiopia. They've gone beyond planting churches, teaching, preaching, and leading people to Christ. Over 4,000 students are attending right now, spanning through Ethiopia, into South Africa, and now into the Middle East. That is fruit that remains. And you, as the Shiloh family, share in the joy of what God has done. Let's give him praise for his faithfulness. When we're truly burying good fruit, we're going to reproduce other believers. Fruit carries within it the seed, which has the ability to reproduce. So multiplication can happen. For their size, grape farms are extremely productive, yielding as much as 80 pounds of grapes in a single season. And good roots can continue to produce grapes for nearly 100 years. We're born again to reproduce. We're able to do so because we abide in Jesus. The fruit we bear should remain. It should last forever, for eternity. God has cultivated us. He spiritually transformed us for the purpose of producing long-lasting sustenance into the world. He's given us everything we need. Tell your neighbor, you have everything you need to bear good fruit. When we abide in Jesus and are empowered by the Holy Spirit, what will we do? What we will do will have an enduring value, an eternal worth if we're doing it for the Lord. Imagine getting to heaven. I know this happened to my dad and grandma when they got to heaven and they saw people that they had led to the Lord. What a joyous occasion to see an internal investment. We waste so much time investing in things that are temporal. Let's, let's invest in things that are internal. In the midst of much darkness in the world, he's cultivated us for this time so we can impact our region, so we can impact Oakland, so we can impact the Bay Area and California, our nation, and beyond. We can use our time, our talents, our abilities to serve the Lord. And as a church family, let's work together to bear fruit, fruit that remains. Pastor Melinda Ramos, ministry pastor at Shiloh Church of Oakland. This has been the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. To nominate your congregation for Church of the Week, please email us the name and address of your pastor and church, along with a link to your church's website, to Church of the Week at SalemSF.com. Again, that's the name and address of your pastor and church, along with a link to the website and email to Church of the Week at SalemSF.com. 
While all submissions will be considered, not every submission is guaranteed airtime. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again next week at this time for the Church of the Week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.